Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, everyone looks forward to those great summer adventures, but not the battle scars they leave behind. I'll tell you how to put together a personalized first aid kit for all the inevitable bumps and bruises, scrapes and cuts that come with the season. Also this morning, in technology parlance, the word latency refers to the time it takes for information to go from point A to point B. And with enterprise and commerce moving at light speed these days, latency can be a business killer. And we have more recipes with a south of the border flair from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 3rd, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Impersonate Authority Day today, says here. <laughs> I'm thinking that could really get you into trouble. Impersonate Authority Day. Uh, do that at your own risk. Love Conquers All Day. It is National Chocolate Macaroon Day. National Egg Day. National Repeat Day. Let me say that again. It is <laughs> National Repeat Day. Hug an Atheist Day, National Donut Day today, it is National Itch Day, and as it happens, this is rather interesting, it is National Gun Violence Awareness Day, which is always observed the first Friday in June. It is not because of anything that has happened in the past couple of weeks. This is always the first Friday in June. It's just a... Uh, Really interesting coincidence. So, uh, observances today and uh, things that... By the way, did you... Speaking of uh, Gun Violence Awareness Day, did you catch the uh, president's dress yesterday evening? He uh, talked to the nation about uh, his plan for uh, doing something about all of the uh, gun violence in this country. And, of course, uh, there will be a lot of pushback to some of the president's ideas. Uh, others are ones that will face an uphill battle in Congress, even though many in the general public uh, believe that they are reasonable uh, measures that we can take. Nonetheless, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. A, a story that I uh, saw on the new Newswire doesn't directly necessarily uh, have anything to do with all of that, but it's uh, interesting nonetheless along the same lines. Uh, something interesting is happening over at CNN. The uh, new head of the network says he wants to ease up on the use of the term breaking news. Now, if you watch television news for any length of time, you are likely to see a lot of pop-ups for breaking news. It seems like everything is breaking news these days. Well, Chris Licht, who took over as CNN's new CEO early last month, has sent a memo to all of the staff at the network that after reportedly holding meetings in recent weeks with employees to get feedback about when and how the breaking news banner is used, uh, they want to uh, reduce the frequency of it. Uh, he said this is a, a great starting point to reestablish CNN's prominence as a journalistic entity. He said, we're going to make breaking news mean something big is happening. We're not just going to throw it on the air all the time. 
we are truth tellers, he said, focused on informing, not alarming our viewers. This is all part of a broader strategy of Warner Brothers and uh, the Warner Brothers Discovery conglomerate to uh, emphasize journalism over sensationalism at CNN and emphasizing journalism over advocacy. And we talked about this when they uh, took over some time ago that uh, they've got a big job to do in the minds of a lot of people to restore CNN to legitimacy as a purely news outlet. But uh, the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery Chief Executive David Zaslov and board member John Malone uh, told uh, other media outlets last November they want to see CNN evolve back to the kind of journalism that it started with. So, again, that's a good place to start. They're going to use fewer breaking news alerts on CNN. It's kind of interesting. Uh, long overdue, I think. If they can uh, lead the charge on that, I think that would be a good thing. Speaking of politics, the uh, House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol announced yesterday that they will hold a primetime hearing next week. It will be the first of a series of primetime meetings planned for this month to make public what they have discovered during the probe. This will be on Thursday, by the way. They're expected to be witnesses during the hearings, but the committee has not yet released their names or officially disclosed the dates of the other hearings. Because we don't want to give away too much. This is turning into a reality show. And then, I mean, good golly. Uh, The Associated Press is reporting that the committee's investigation is focused on all aspects of that day and what led to it. Um, And uh, so they're going to put this in prime time. Uh, it, It just seems as if, again, we're not talking about hard information, political, you know, of political importance here. We're talking about a primetime show is what they're turning this into. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a good thing, but uh, that'll be a Thursday. We'll see what kind of ratings it gets. Anyway. anyway, so enough of that. It is Friday and uh, we're ready to uh, kick off another weekend. A new poll This is kind of interesting as we're rolling over and getting ready to head to work here this morning. A new poll suggests that summer Fridays are the key to feeling happier at work. Uh, Bosses and managers uh, pay attention to this. 59% of a survey of 2,000 working adults revealed that their jobs offer summer Fridays, uh, which is a program where it allows for a shorter day or even a day off occasionally on Fridays during the summer season. A significant number of people have this uh, option at work. Over 8 in 10 employees say they benefit from this perk because it makes them feel much happier at work. 85% says this makes us happier. It's a good thing. The survey was commissioned by Wisetail, conducted by one poll, delved into the impact that this may have on productivity. 73% believes it directly impacts how they work. Uh, Respondents claim that cooler temperatures and clear blue skies are associated with being being the most productive at work, uh, coinciding with 43% who believe that they do their best work in the spring. No surprise then that 65% prefer working outside when the weather is nice, from getting work done in a local cafe, maybe to a rooftop 
break room or something like that, patio, outdoor patio, about half of the uh, folks in the poll say that they like to work outdoors in the summertime and uh, summer, summer Fridays allow them the opportunity to do that. Do they have that where you work? Uh, where you can take a shorter day or you can uh, just knock off for the day on Friday occasionally? Summer Fridays. Might want to uh, bring that up to your boss. A lot of folks like it, apparently. Uh, and being outdoors can be healthier for you. Getting outdoors, soaking up the fresh sunshine. Uh, it is a, a good thing for our health. A, a new survey of American men finds that 65%, I thought this was interesting, speaking of health, 65% of American men in the survey believe they are naturally healthier than others. 65% believe we are naturally healthier than others. One third do not believe that they need an annual checkup. Dr. Thomas Kelly in Orlando uh, commented on this poll for a, a news report that I saw. I'm not sure where it originated. I saw it on the uh, newswire. Dr. Kelly said, pointed out that it is statistically impossible for the majority of men to be healthier than the majority of men. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. He points out even men who believe they are healthy may be at risk for heart attack, stroke, preventative cancers, all of these things. Checkups, 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 guys. Even if you believe you are naturally healthier than... <laughs> I love that. It is statistically impossible for the majority of men to be healthier than the majority of men. <laughs> I think we may have stumbled on, onto something here. And uh, finally, among the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, the U.S. Postal Service is out with its annual tally on dog attacks, saying that uh, dogs attacked more than 5,400 postal employees across the U.S. last year. The uh, tally ranks which cities had the most dogs attack, uh, dog attacks on postal employees. And uh, Columbus, Ohio is 11th with 31 recorded attacks. Uh, let's see here. And that is not, I mean, that's quite a few. Uh, Columbus tied with San Diego for 11th on the list, but that not, is not even the highest ranking Ohio city. The highest ranking Ohio city for dog attacks on postal workers, Cleveland and Cleveland, not only number one in Ohio, number one in the country, 58 attacks by dogs on uh, postal workers. So, Ohioans, we have to do better protecting our mail carriers. And Cleveland, number one overall with the most attacks, uh, dog attacks on postal workers. Columbus is 11th. By the way, Indianapolis has the fewest attacks, just 15. So, only about one a month uh, across uh, all of Indianapolis. It's a pretty big city. The uh, Postal Service says dog owners need to keep their dogs inside the house or in a fenced-in yard away from the door uh, so that the uh, postal or door or the mailbox uh, or keep them on a leash. So anyway, just kind of interesting there uh, from the uh, U.S. Postal Service, the uh, latest uh, list of the most dog attacks per city. 5,400 uh, dogs attacking postal workers last year. So Take that to heart. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek.
Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected today with a high in the upper 70s. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low around 50. Deputies with the Hancock County Sheriff's Office convinced a suicidal person to drop the knife they are holding. Upon arriving at an address in Cass Township, deputies observed a male outside holding a knife to his throat. The male began walking down the road while continuing to hold the knife to his throat. Deputies followed and continued negotiating with him. After about a half mile, deputies were able to get the person to drop the knife, and he was taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital. The funding for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin project is now in place. Steve Wilson is project manager for the Maumee Watershed Conservancy District. We were pleased to uh, hear that uh, we received an additional $30 million towards the Eagle Creek Flood Basin Project. We are still working on property acquisition this year and final design. And Wilson says they're hoping to begin construction of the basin in the second half of next year. You can get much more on the basin on the website. Ford is expanding its Ohio Assembly plant near Cleveland with a $1.5 billion investment. Kamar Gaholtra is the president of a division within the company called Ford Blue. We're going to create 1,800 new union jobs right here in this assembly plant. The plant will build an all-new commercial electric vehicle in the near future. Dave James, I went in news. Lawmakers in the Ohio House have approved a bill that would ban transgender athletes from playing girls and women's sports at Ohio's high schools and colleges. Supporters say the bill will protect women's rights in sports, while those opposed call it discriminatory. The bill was passed on the first day of Pride Month. This weekend is Finley Pride Weekend, and Mayor Mern issued a proclamation. Now, therefore, I, Christina M. Mern, Mayor of the City of Finley, Ohio, do hereby proclaim June 2022 as LGBTQ plus Pride Month in the City of Finley. Several events are planned for this weekend, including Pride in the Park at Riverside Park. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So our cover story this morning, we're talking summer safety because we all look forward to all of those great summer adventures ahead over the next few months, but not so much the battle scars they leave behind. Todd James is with us this morning from the North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross and Todd, obviously, when it comes to uh, summer safety, uh, first and foremost, item number one, you put it at the top of the list, we got to have uh, a first aid kit handy, uh, no matter what it is that we're doing, just in case. Exactly right, Chris. Uh, every home should have a good first aid kit, at least one good for the uh, kit for your home. Uh, also good to have a kit for your car, in your camper. Um, and hand in hand along with that, you know, is making sure that you know good first aid. So we highly recommend that at least one person in every family take a Red Cross first aid and CPR course. So if and when something happens, uh, you know how to respond and you've got the tools at hand to respond with. Yeah, it is a, a great point. The first aid kit only gets you so far. If you don't know how to treat an injury, then uh, that can only do so much, so much good. And uh, as it happens, the Red Cross actually has first aid kits and, of course, lots of uh, training to help folks uh, gain that knowledge. Yeah, if you visit our website at redcross.org um, and we have our Red Cross store there, we have got uh, first aid kits in all sizes from small personal kits 
you know, all the way up to uh, large family kits and, and even for larger groups like 50 person first aid kits. Mm. So you know, every kit, of course, has uh, the same basic items, but then the larger kits you get, you might have more items in them. Um, but there are just some basic items that you do want to have in, in any first aid kit, whether it's for your home, your car, the camper, wherever you may be. Yeah, uh, it's more than just having uh, a few Band-Aids and uh, maybe some antiseptic cream. Those things are important, but that's really, again, uh, only the start of it. Yeah, it, you know, if you wanted to put your own first aid kit together, and this might be an activity that you and the kids do together to get ready for a summer outing. Um, you know, you start with bandages and, and you want to have uh, bandages of various sizes, depending on what the size of maybe the cut or the scrape is. Um, and you can buy, you know, boxes that come with various sizes of Band-Aids mm -hmm. in them. Um, but, ha but have a good uh, selection of various sizes of bandages available. Some uh, triple antibiotic cream, you know, you can get them in small little packets, one use packets or get a tube of it put in there. Um, good to have some hand sanitizers and some uh, vinyl gloves or plastic gloves in your kit. So if you're treating somebody's wound, but then start thinking about some of the other things, uh, you know, if somebody maybe falls and has a sprain or, or something like that, um, good to have maybe a sling or something that you can make a sling out of to immobilize mm -hmm. uh, an arm or a leg if you need to. You want to have some gauze pads of different sizes and maybe a roll of gauze. Um, you can buy instant cold packs, keep one or two of those in there. So if, uh, again, somebody has a sprain or something, you need to put a cold pack on it right away. Uh, first aid tape. So if you do need to use gauze pads, you can make sure you hold those down. Um, would also recommend, as I said, you know, everybody should have at least somebody in the family who is trained in CPR and AED. And along with that, you can get a little, um, um, individual CPR face masks that folks uh, like to have. Maybe have a thermometer in there, uh, a small pair of scissors, um, and just some of the basic things like yeah. that, that that make up a good overall first aid kit. And uh, we mentioned the uh, training. You, as you were saying, you have a number of courses uh, in first aid, and you know, in the moment, uh, maybe just as a um, you know a, a fallback, uh, the uh, Red Cross app actually has uh, a lot of first aid information there that is easily accessible at your fingertips, um, you know, just to, as a refresher, or, you know, the, that, that immediate thing that you may need to have uh, handy as well. Yeah, you can download our free first aid app. Um, as with all of our apps, they're all free. They're available whether you use an iPhone or an Android, just go to, you know, wh whichever store that, that furnishes your apps for you. Uh, you can download that. It has good tips on uh, preventing accidents, what to do, especially responding to some minor cuts, scrapes, bruises, things like that. Tips on what you want to have in your first aid kit. It, it's a great tool to have. Yeah. And not just for you, but if your kids have a phone or a pad, download it for them also. Yeah, really good really good point uh, because as they are off on their adventures in the summertime, uh, it is a, a little extra peace of mind there for you as well. And you mentioned the real uh, important point is that you know, we talk about first aid and treating uh, all of the bumps and bruises and cuts and scrapes. The best idea is to pre prevent them from happening as best you can. So let's talk about prevention and some best practices for all of those outdoor activities. For example, when you're out camping or hiking, some of the things that people need to know to stay safe. 
Definitely. You know, when we talk about summer, it is something that we've all been looking forward to. And, and this summer, especially, we are going to be able to start going out and doing more of the outdoor activities that we love. Um, it's just we've got to do it safely. And it may have been a couple of years since you've done some of these things. So uh, I think these are, you know, the tips that we have are things really everybody knows, but it's good to kind of refresh your memory and think about it before you head out on your camping trip or, or your trip to the beach or the pool. You know, if you're headed out camping, again, a good first aid kit, whether you're packing your own or, or taking one of ours along with you. That way you've got everything with you, especially if you're out, you know, you're not necessarily as close access to if you went, called 911 and, mm -hmm. and needed emergency help. It might take a little longer to get to you if you're out somewhere. Um, you see a lot of sprains and falls uh, when people are out on uh, summer hikes and, and things like that. So number one is you, you just got to be aware. Be aware of where you are. Um, if you're going to go hiking, wear good boots uh, and it'll make sure uh, that, that you be careful where you're stepping. Um, and, and unfortunately, one of the dangers that we've seen over the last few years where people get hurt in falls is uh, taking selfies. Um, so if, if you yeah. want to take a selfie and it's a really beautiful view of the cliff, you might want to rethink that. You, just, you, you have to really be aware of your surroundings and be careful. Um, always have a partner, if you, especially if you're going out on a long hike somewhere and it's rough terrain, not something you necessarily should do alone. Uh, but if you are, make sure that somebody knows where you are. They know your route, uh, that you've got your cell phone on you, what time you should be back. So if something happens, then, then somebody in your family or a friend um, will be aware that, you know, hey, they should have been back a while ago and, and I haven't heard from them. I better check and make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Uh, also, and we talk about making sure that you have a uh, first aid kit handy, again, not just at the campsite or at your house, but uh, in your backpack as you're off hiking uh, out in the great outdoors or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, that's not the only thing you need to take along. Uh, obviously, staying hydrated is very important. Oh, definitely. And and as we start to get into the hot uh, summer days that are coming our way, hydration is very important. Sunscreen, um, you know, you want to be aware of, of the sun and the heat. We don't want to see folks having heat stroke. We don't want folks to get dehydrated. And then, again, you get dizzy, you get ill yeah. uh, and find yourself incapacitated. Um, so, yes, make sure you have plenty of water, hydration with you wherever you are. And you know, again, the first aid kits, you can tuck them in your backpack. You can even put them on your belt. Some of them are, are small mm -hmm. enough to fit in your pocket, but they got some of the basics you need. So right. it's not hard to be prepared. Yeah. Uh, we're not the only ones that can get into trouble with the heat. Our pets uh, are certainly susceptible to that as well. So we need to think about our furry family members as well. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we hear a lot this time of year reminding us that we can't be leaving our pets in the car. And, and even if we crack the window, um, you know, it, it can heat up to the over 120 degrees inside a car really fast on a hot summer day. And, and animals are able to suffer heat stroke just like humans can. And, and think about it. If you and I were walking around with a big fur coat on on a 90 or 100 degree day, right. we get hot pretty fast. So uh, if your pet is an outside pet, again, make sure that you keep them hydrated. Their water bowl stays full on really hot days that they have a shady, cool area to go to. Or if, if it's really bad and they don't, you know, can you bring them in the house? Can you mm -hmm. put them in the barn or the garage or something? Yeah. Keep them out of that high, head, uh, high heat of the day. And we also have a pet first aid app. So yeah, I would advise downloading that and mm -hmm. make sure that you know what to do. Uh, if something, if your pet starts looking ill, they're not acting right. First thing to do, of course, is call your veterinarian. 
Um, but you can download the pet first aid app. We even have a cat and dog first aid training online. So you can take awesome. a short online training course. There you yeah. Go. Um, the, the trainings that we have available online and with our apps, you know, we, we've really expanded our reach over the last few years, utilizing the technology available. So this information is readily available uh, at everybody's fingertips just to make sure that the whole family, including our, our furry friends, stay safe for the summer. Really important to uh, protect yourself and uh, everybody and everything that you love uh, during your uh, summer outdoor adventures. Uh, because, uh, again, we look forward to the adventure part, not so much the battle scars that sometimes those summer adventures leave behind. So we've got a link up on our webpage for lots more tips, advice, and safety information from the American Red Cross. Go to goodmornings.net. And again, Todd James is executive director of the North Central Ohio chapter of the American American Red Cross with us this morning. Todd, thanks very much. Hey, thank you, Chris. Everybody have a fun and safe summer. Well, in technology parlance, the word latency refers to the time it takes information to go from point A to point B. And with business moving at light speed these days, and with your customers expecting an equally lightning fast response time, latency can be a business killer. Uh, Dave Cooper is an expert in enterprise technology. He is Senior Vice President of Edge Compute at Lumen Technologies. Dave, you say the future of enterprise technology is something called edge computing. What is that and what makes it such a game changer? Thanks, Chris. Well, edge computing is about delivering the power of compute and data closer to where digital interactions occur. And folks may be asking, what's a digital interaction? It includes how you interact with your favorite game, it's how robotics are controlled to build your new car, it's how that contactless retail store experience is facilitated. And compute power has been that key enabler of innovation, especially over the last decade with public cloud. And edge computing is bringing that power even closer to people and devices. So what is, this may be a, a dumb question, uh, but what is the difference between edge computing and cloud computing? Are these uh, two completely different things? Is edge computing the next generation of cloud computing? Are they completely uh, uh, intertwined, completely separate? What? Oh, yeah, you can think of edge as part of the overall cloud computing ecosystem. You know, okay. today the public cloud is largely centralized, right? It's sitting in you know locations throughout the U.S. Uh, uh, and, you know, where power and space and cooling is, is very yeah, inexpensive. Uh, and edge computing is basically expanding or supplementing or what we call completing the cloud by driving that compute and storage closer into the cities throughout the U.S., uh, making that compute capability available to to those digital interactions. So uh, to paraphrase, if I'm understanding that right, then uh, edge computing uh, is not something that will replace cloud computing because I can hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm just getting the hang of this cloud computing thing and now here comes edge computing. Uh, this is not necessarily something that will replace cloud computing. It will complete uh, cloud computing in the sense that it will uh, unlock its full potential. Absolutely. That's a great way to say it. Uh, you know, we lots of efficiencies that were created and continue to be realized with, with the public cloud and cloud computing. Uh, and this is really opening up the, the performance angle of cloud computing 
uh, creating a great opportunities for, for applications to be innovated uh, onto that platform um, so that we can see some of the, the next generation experiences in virtual reality and autonomous vehicles and a host of other examples uh, where that's made capable with Edge. So give us some examples of industries that are implementing this Edge computing technology and why. Sure. There, there's, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to find an industry where Edge is not going to make a difference. But, you know, two of the more progressive ones is, is in manufacturing and retail. And, you know, manufacturing has long used technology to uh, accelerate its productivity, improve its productivity, its, its quality. Um, and it continues on that front with utilization of artificial intelligence, machine learning, various other software and, and, and IoT device capabilities that uh, really do improve productivity and, and quality within manufacturing facilities. All of that made capable with, with the use of edge computing and you've got retail, you know, retail experiences. When you walk into a, a retail store, uh, the personalized digital experiences that you see nowadays, uh, the instant coupons that show up on your smartphone, mm. um, the various other uh, contactless checkout and a host of other examples, um, really leveraging the power of edge to be able to facilitate that, to process all that data. Uh, and create and innovate on those new experiences. So how much uh, does this rely on uh, these uh, super high-speed connections that we have now, whether we're talking about uh, gigabit connections with our home Wi-Fi uh, that are available now, 5G connections on mobile? That really is the key to making all this work, is it not? It is, it is, and and especially as, you know, the data and, all these interactions increase in size uh, and in real time, uh, the speeds and your network connectivity matters even more. And, you know, we, Lumen has been a long, a longstanding provider of fiber optic capability, network capability, and bringing together that infrastructure with compute and storage at the edge, uh, we, we believe has a tremendous value. Uh, there, there's obviously uh, lots of benefits with using 5G, LTE, other wireless capabilities uh, in order to inter-network all of these devices, these components that are all talking to each other. Now, it says here in my notes that 75% of senior IT decision makers say that edge computing will have a positive impact on spurring innovation. How so? I mean, I, I know it's impossible to ask you to look into your crystal ball and predict what's coming. But that said, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball and predict what's coming. What what types of innovation uh, do you see, do you foresee could come out of this in the future? Yeah, so I mean, the cloud in general and the public cloud has been a really uh, strong instigator enabler of, of innovation with uh, the ability to be able to uh, experiment and prototype and deploy um, technology, software capabilities uh, in very, very quick uh, and low-cost fashion. And edge computing is essentially extends on that, um, but in a more uh, performance-minded uh, manner in terms of how close it is to where the experiences that you want to enhance are. Um, and so the innovation really revolves around these areas of technology which benefit um, from having lower latencies, whether it's virtual reality, uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, a number of different robotics examples, uh, various other technologies where latency does matter, and it's not uh, facilitated as well in the public cloud. 
Um, so it's a great opportunity for where innovation can happen, the extension of the public cloud, uh, and, an, uh, uh, and an enabler for, for all of these companies out there driving the technology tomorrow. It's really fascinating to think about uh, all of the innovation that is happening today that will spur even more innovation tomorrow. And of course, as we mentioned, uh, the way in which 5G and these types of technologies that we are hearing about today will become so indispensable to all of this in the future. Dave Cooper is an expert in enterprise technology, senior vice president of Edge Compute at Lumen Technologies. Where do we get more information on all of this? Yeah, Chris, we just uh, bring up www.lumen.com, L-U-M-E-N.com forward slash edge. We've got a, a host of information on edge computing as well as the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, we'd love for folks to visit to take a look and, and understand how edge computing can, can make a difference in, in their business or their lives. I love that terminology, the fourth industrial revolution. Here it comes. Uh, Dave Cooper, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Dateline, San, Anber- uh, San, Bernardino, Cali- San Bernardino County, California. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Where Vicky Umodo, Umodo, Vicky Umodo is her name. Uh, got a little bit more than she bargained for when she uh, brought home a sofa set she got for free on Craigslist. I, have you ever uh, been strapped for cash and gone searching in the cushions of your sofa for spare change that <laughs> may have fallen down into the cushions from your pocket? I think we've all probably done that at one time or another. Well, uh, Vicky found hidden inside one of the sofa's cushions $36,000 in cash. 36,000 bucks. I'm lucky if I get like five bucks in change. <laughs> 36,000. She got it for free on Craigslist. Vicky said she immediately drove from her home and returned the money to the family who gave her the sofas. The family told her that they were liquidating the possessions of a deceased family member and found more money hidden around the house. Uh, they gave Vicky some of the sofa cash back so that she could afford to buy a new refrigerator. So. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Love a story like that. But can you imagine finding $36,000 hidden in the uh, sofa cushions? Goodness. Elsewhere in the broken news, Dateline Dallas, Texas, where police say 21-year-old Brian Hernandez was angry at his girlfriend. And uh, they got gotten into a fight, apparently. I don't know what it was about. Um, but... Uh, he got into a fight with his girlfriend, so he did what I think any reasonable person would do. He broke into an art museum and caused more than $5 million in damage to a variety of ancient artifacts. Yeah, of course he did. That's what you do when you're upset with your girlfriend. Mr. Hernandez caught in the Dallas Museum of Art after allegedly smashing display cases and breaking things, including... A, uh, let's see, uh, 6th century artifacts from Greece and a, a pot that dates back to 450 B.C. So it's not like these things can be replaced. Authorities say he also damaged and destroyed a number of other ancient sculptures and artwork, all rare, all one of a kind. Detectives say Mr. Hernandez confessed to the crime 
and explained that he was angry with his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. He was booked on a charge of criminal mischief. I would imagine more charges are probably pending. In Nashville, Tennessee, our dumb criminal of the day is 34-year-old Quentin Collins, who was arrested after allegedly breaking into a convenience store on Murfreesboro Pike on Wednesday and then couldn't get out. <laughs> he broke in and then couldn't figure out how to get out. The owner found him stuck in the back of the business with a machete and called the cops. He was arrested not only with the machete on his person, but also a large amount of drugs. <laughs> that might have been one of the reasons why he couldn't find his way out. <laughs> Always have an escape plan. That's rule number one. If you're considering a life of crime, uh, if you're thinking about a career change, lesson number one, always have an escape plan. There is an unwritten rule in the broken news that we generally don't laugh at people who lose their life. That when people die, it's not funny, generally. But there are exceptions to every rule, and here is one. A Florida man is dead after an alligator attack. The victim identified as 47-year-old Sean Thomas, who was well-known for disregarding alligator warning signs and no swimming signs at Taylor Park. Uh, Mr. Thomas would often go off in search of old Frisbee golf discs in ponds and in lakes and in woods and then sell them back to people. You're doing the Frisbee golf thing and your uh, Frisbee golf disc goes into the woods or goes into the pond. And it's Florida. There are alligators everywhere. So you just, you know, forget about it. You'll leave it. This guy would go fish them out and sell them. Officers believe he was searching for more Frisbee discs when he was attacked and killed by a gator late at night. This is not the first alligator attack at Taylor Park. In 2020, a man was bitten in the face by a gator while doing the same thing. Uh, police are urging everyone to stay awake or to stay alert, rather, and take the warnings seriously. Good idea if you're in Florida. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm not worried about no gators. Not the first time he's done that. He's well known for disregarding the alligator warning signs, which generally those are the ones that you want to really pay attention to. You know, signs that keep off the grass or. You know, things like that. Okay, you can fudge that a little bit. But alligator warning signs, yeah, probably good idea to observe those. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is our uh, viral video of the day. An Alabama woman danced her way into a disorderly conduct charge after stopping traffic with her antics. The whole ordeal caught by a fellow driver and shared to Facebook the uh, page Bad Drives of Mobile is in Mobile, Alabama. In the video footage, 27-year-old Chandra Andrews can be seen standing on the hood of a white sedan, dancing and posing. According to a driver who also filmed the incident, she was also flipping everybody off. <laughs> so she was just having a good old time. 
Ms. Andrews was arrested for disorderly conduct. And uh, that's not the first time for her either. She has been arrested at least 10 times on similar charges over the past 10 years, according to jail records obtained by local news reporters. So, just another day in the life. <laughs> Dancing on the hood of a car in the middle of the boat, uh, in the middle of traffic there. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to us a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You don't think twice about wearing your seatbelt. Going boating? Real boaters wear a life jacket. It's easy to do. Accidents can happen quickly, and if you're not wearing your life jacket, you won't have time to put it on if it's stowed. So pick a comfortable life jacket and wear it. Remember, life jackets are for everyone, regardless of your age or swimming ability. Have fun, make memories, and boat responsibly. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and U.S. Coast Guard. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. I think I've shared on this uh, program before uh, that we are expecting uh, another uh, grandchild uh, here a little bit later on uh, this year. Uh, it was certainly uh, good news when uh, my uh, son and daughter-in-law shared the news that they are expecting once again. It's always a, an exciting time. But a recent survey finds that many parents, most parents in fact, stress themselves out uh, over concerns relating to their child's development and uh, whether they are meeting those developmental milestones on time. This is a recent survey of 2,000 parents conducted by one poll on behalf of VTech, the uh, uh, educational toy company. Um, results show that 59% of parents worry that their babies aren't meeting certain milestones and 69% fear that their baby not meeting those milestones, quote-unquote, on time, will reflect negatively on them as parents. Well, Mom and Dad, I'm here to tell you, don't worry about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons why you shouldn't stress yourself out is perhaps you have unrealistic expectations when it comes to that timeline. In this survey, 44% of parents believe that babies should start rolling over within three months. And in reality... Child development experts say that that doesn't happen until they are at least four months old or later. So a lot of times that stress comes from timelines that are off. Now, the survey also found that 74% of parents will try to stimulate their child's development by uh, introducing them to educational toys or games. 54% say they use that tactic to spur their kids along that developmental timeline. 51% will feed them enriching foods. 7 in 10 recognize the importance of play in helping young children meet their developmental milestones. And I thought this was cute. While 63% believe that interactive toys are important in the early stages of their baby's life, the same percentage of parents admit that they sometimes get annoyed with those toys. <laughs> And again, mom and dad, uh, you are certainly not alone <laughs> in that being annoyed by some of those very toys uh, that can help their uh, kids uh, reach those developmental milestones. Some of the uh, ones, the, the milestones that parents are most concerned with, uh, whether their child meets on time, we mentioned rolling over, uh, saying their first words. 
by their first birthday. That's that's like the big one. Most parents worry the most about are my kids going to talk when they should start to talk. And that's one of the things because we are uh, so anxious and there's so much anticipation for that first word. And what will it be in the first time that baby says mama or dada is uh, such a tremendous moment. So that is the big one on the list. Parents also worry if their children don't walk on time, if they don't feed themselves or 29 percent said the first time they smile is the developmental milestone they look most forward to. So, But again, the point of it being, don't stress out, and most of all, don't have unrealistic expectations of when those milestones should happen. And now once again, joining us in the studio as we finish up another week, Another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife Kyra is here once again. We've got uh, recipes with kind of a south of the border flair yeah. today. Yeah. So, kind of fun. I was like, what the heck? Let's try. I don't try think it. we've done a uh, you know, south of the border kind no. of uh, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's no. not real exotic or anything. Yeah. But, uh, and I've tried I've tried it, um these recipes. They've all kind of been separate. They I've not done them all together. So, but I have tried <laughs> okay. them all. So. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's kind of funny. This first one is uh, <laughs> one that we actually tried on, uh, what was it, Wednesday. During the and, storm. Yeah, during the storms. And uh, <laughs> it was, it, it, when we get to the point where it says bake for, what, 20 to 25 minutes on this, yeah. you can actually get away with maybe a couple of minutes less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as it turns out. just keep out, it in the, the oven power- <laughs> with the oven off. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you can turn off the oven early uh, and then still uh, yeah. enjoy this. It was still pretty good, even yeah. though uh, we uh, baked it for a couple of minutes less. A couple less, of minutes less, the, but left it in the oven. Our, and it was like, what are we going to do now for supper? <laughs> I don't know. It goes, you know it's, but it turned out it this was pretty good. pouring down rain. Yeah. Like, no, we're not going to get anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's I guess we'll just eat see. this. Uh, in good. any event, uh, no, it is a uh, really good recipe. And it is, uh, when I first saw the title, I thought, thought it said taco bread and i thought what uh but it is a taco braid braid so okay. one seamless crescent roll dough or if you don't or if you have like a pizza dough the, the refrigerator pizza the dough yep. that works too uh one pound of ground beef one packet of taco seasoning one cup of black beans drained and rinsed one and a quarter cup of cheddar cheese divided and fresh tomatoes lettuce and uh any type of jalapeno anything you want for toppings yeah. okay anything so, you would put on your so Sour cream. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees in a large skillet over medium heat. Cook the the ground beef uh, until no longer pink and then drain the fat. Stir in the taco seasoning and water as directed on the packet. Uh, let that cook. Then uh, spread your crescent rolls out dough out onto a silicone mat, which is what I used, or your parchment paper. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you don't have either of those, grease up your your uh, pan mm-hmm. and you'll be fine to your cookie yeah. sheet and you'll be fine too. place on the baking pan. Leave, uh, leave three inches in the middle. So, cause you're going to cut down the sides okay. like you're doing a braid. Okay. So you're going to cut down like in an angle, uh, on both sides. Then, uh, spread the, uh, beef mixture, 
uh, down the middle of the braid, top with your beans and um, one cup of cheddar cheese. I mixed in some corn. Yeah, we added some corn. <laughs> yeah, I added some uh, corn to my beef, which was which yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mixed that in and then put that on, and then so it's one of the it things was about, good. It if, made it a little bit sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the things about this recipe is that you can really go oh, yeah. whatever direction you want whatever with you it. Like. You know, we were talking about the taco uh, toppings, yep. uh, the seasonings, the you know whatever you want to add in. Mm-hmm. You can get creative here yep. on this, or so. you can do plain Jane too. Yeah, what you so uh, then take a strip of the dough from one side, fold it over to the middle, and then keep doing that all the way like you're doing a braid, mm-hmm. uh, completely down the top, uh, or completely down, and then seal your uh, seal the top of your braid and the bottom of your braid. So seal, seal okay, all that all up. Pinch all those mm-hmm. ends together. Yep. And then um, uh, sprinkle with your remaining cheddar cheese on top of the braid. Bake for 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, so it's nice and golden brown. Let it stand for about 10 minutes before uh, adding your other toppings and then cutting it and serving it. Yeah. Uh, really easy, yep. and uh, again, uh, you can get as creative as you want with yep. the uh, taco braid. To go along with that, we have a side of easy Spanish rice. Yes, so I did this the uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, one tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil, one tablespoon of butter, one cup of white rice, one and a half cups of chicken broth, three tablespoons of tomato paste, one 10-ounce can of diced tomatoes and green chilies, one and a half teaspoons of chili powder, one teaspoon of cumin, a half a teaspoon of garlic salt, and a half a teaspoon of dried basil. So in a medium uh, saucepan, uh, set over medium heat, melt together your olive oil and your butter, add your rice, uh, and coat coat it with the oil and butter, and let it cook. And so you're like roasting your rice. Just as simple yeah. as that. Yep. Uh, strain frequently for about two to three minutes until the ri- rice is toasted. It's going to kind of turn a little bit of a golden brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, stir in your chicken broth, your tomato paste, your chili powder, your cumin, your garlic salt, your basil, and your diced tomatoes. Not drained. So put those that all in there. Okay. Um, uh, increase your heat to high and bring to a boil, stirring occasionally, uh, then stir well and reduce the heat to low, place a lid on the pot, cook at a gentle simmer for about 20 minutes. Okay. So, so you're going to bring all that to a boil. Yep. Once it boils, you turn it back turn, down. Turn so it back it's down. Just simmering. simmering. Mm-hmm. Cover it. Let it simmer for, yep. you said 20 minutes? Yeah, for about okay. 20 minutes. If it's not quite tender, if there's not enough uh, liquid, you can add a little bit more liquid to it if you need to. Um, and then just keep checking on it. It may take, you know, depending on your rice, it may take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, then replace the lid and cook for another two to four minutes. Um, Remove and uh, leave covered, um, and then once you are ready, then fluff it up with the fork and serve. There it is. Simple as that. Easy Spanish rice uh, as your side for the taco braid. And then for dessert, it is <laughs> a pineapple pretzel fluff. Yes. Again, my favorite part of the desserts <laughs> are the names, are the titles. <laughs> Let's be honest here. The pineapple pretzel fluff. <laughs> 
<laughs> so one cup crushed uh, crushed pretzels, a half a cup of butter melted, one cup of granulated sugar divided, an eight ounce uh, block of cream cheese softened, one twenty ounce can of crushed pineapples drained, and one twelve ounce container of Cool Whip thawed. So preheat your oven to four hundred degrees. Line a nine by thirteen inch baking pan with parchment paper or your silicone liner, or if you don't have either, you can use Again. you know just. Uh, grease it up a little mm-hmm. in a medium bowl stir together your pretzels your butter and a half a cup of sugar uh, transfer the mixture to you to the prepared baking pan press down gently and um, spread it out and and kind of press it down mm-hmm. um, it doesn't need to be covered uh, it doesn't have to cover the bottom so so I you mean, don't have to yeah. go completely no. to the edges no because okay. you, that's you're not going to be putting anything on top of it so you're okay. going to crumble it up gotcha. so bake for about seven minutes and then let it cool uh, then it, while that's going in a large bowl um, use an electric mixer to uh, beat your cream cheese your half a cup of sugar and beat that until it's completely smooth fold in your pineapple and your cool whip and refrigerate for at least one hour just before serving crumb- crumble the pretzel mixture and uh, mix into the pineapple mixture. So you're going to crum- crumble up your prex- pretzel mixture and and then combine that into okay. the uh, pineapple mixture. Reserve so, part of it to sprinkle on top if you want to make it look pretty. Okay. So And you don't want to put the pretzel mixture into the fluff until you're ready to serve. Because okay. it it will be uh, mushy, yeah, your pretzels, it, yeah, your pretzels will get mushy. Yeah, yeah, it'll soften up. So, okay. you, so if you're going to leave it overnight, so again with the pretzels, you're going to yeah. you're going to put that uh, in the in the base, yeah, and then you're going to put more of it on top. So right. again, kind of, yeah, you want to be a little uh, conservative yeah. with how much yeah. you use at yeah, each just, stage of yeah. that, just yeah. so yeah, you don't overload it with the right. pretzel stuff. Yep, yep. really good just stuff. A bit. Yeah. So uh, the uh, taco braid, the easy Spanish rice, and the pineapple pretzel fluff (laughs) recipes are all posted at the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. You can follow uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page and get those recipes. We also have them uh, shared on the WFIN Facebook page and linked up at goodmornings.net, so you can uh, find them there. My wife, Kyra, with her uh, South of the Border recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Contact us directly via email, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more. Goodmornings.net is where you find us online. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.